Um, you just do uh, whatever you can. And it was so fun today to worship with my husband. I was like, oh, I want to do this every day. I was like, why don't we do this every day <laughs> at our house? <laughs> so um, something cool. I got a new Bible just recently. And it is so pretty. I'm like, okay, so it's like a $100 Bible, right? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's like $100. I'm like, if I'm going to spend $100 on anything, it should be in a Bible, right? Like, I'm like, if I have anything pretty in my life, it should be a Bible. So, <laughs> so I was like, yes. So now it's like so precious to me. And it like actually makes you, you want to read it even more because you're like, I want to go touch it. It's so soft, you know. It's like awesome. <laughs> Okay, cool. So today I was feeling to speak a little bit about kind of a foundational teaching for the body of Christ, um, which is fasting. So fasting is always mixed with prayer, um, but it's specifically talked about multiple times in the Bible, Old and New Testament. And I wasn't sure um, the foundation that's been laid for all of you um, with fasting. So this is going to be somewhat of a more basic foundation, but something that hopefully will remind those of you who do already believe in the discipline and the practice of fasting, um, that it is biblical, that it's powerful, and that um, if we do it, it'll produce powerful results in our life. So just that anything that God asks us to do is always for a good reason, right? Awesome. Okay, so first, so and I'm not doing PowerPoint today. So for those of you who are here normally, we almost always have PowerPoint, but I just wanted to do something a little different, switch it up. So if you guys have your Bibles or your smartphones um, or your iPads or whatever you use, make sure they're accessible because I will be doing some Bible verse uh, swapping around. So first open up to Matthew 6 in your Bible or your iPhone. I guess you can use Android too, but... I'll forgive you this time. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Apple's the best. No. <laughs> I have the mic. I can say that. No. <laughs> just being silly. <laughs> what did you say? No, you do. You have an Android. Who, who has Android? All right. And who has iPhone? It's like half and half, really. Okay. All right, fine. <laughs> they both rock. There we go. Okay, Matthew 6. Now, I have like 80,000 bookmarks in my Bible today because I have so many verses I wanted to go to, and I wanted to read actually from the Bible. Okay, Matthew 6, verse 1. Let's start there. So this is, you guys know, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' teaching, basic principles of Christianity. So this is Christianity 101. So uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is a good place to lay a foundation for your Christian faith and your discipleship. If you aren't sure about that yet, that's where you should, one of the places you should start. Okay, so Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, so this is first talking about the needy, sound, uh, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Okay? So that's what I'm highlighting right here. In this first section, it's talking about giving, and it's talking about not doing it before man, but doing it in secret. Okay, so now we're going to go on to the next uh, portion, verse 5. 
And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their full reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. So again, you guys see that, right? We know that there's a special blessing for the prayer and the uh, giving that's done in secret. Okay? And verse 7. I mean, sorry. uh, Pray... Yes, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases, and it goes on and talks about the um, our Father in Heaven, like the Lord's Prayer, and then verse 14 talks about forgiveness, and then it talks about fasting. So uh, chapter 6, verse 16, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, this is very important for this sermon. It says in verse 17, what's it say? But when you fast, does it say if you fast? No. So not saying that every single person should fast because sometimes people have dietary things where they have to be um, really watching specifics for their health with their doctor. So I'm not saying everybody uh, everywhere should fast. But this is a principle that Jesus laid out clearly. He said, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So again, he's talking about the secrecy, right? So prayer, giving, fasting, all foundational beliefs for us as believers, right? Foundational practices, foundational disciplines, and they should be done in secret. But we also see in other places in scripture where we have corporate fasts that are not secret, right? In Joel 2, I'll go to that. I'll go to different scriptures talking about corporate fasts, and those are not done in secret. But these are your individual fasts that are done in secret here in Matthew 5, okay? So, also, really clearly to note, in that section, Jesus is saying specifically to watch your motives as well. So that's one thing in fasting. You have to watch your motives, that you're not doing it um, to gain approval by man, um, and that you're doing it because you feel like it's God's will for your life, okay? All right, so next verse, Mark chapter 2, verse 18. So if everyone can flip with me to Mark 2. Verses 18 to 22. Okay, starting in 18. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. So I just want to show you here that it's saying that when Jesus is taken away, Jesus is saying, then my disciples will fast. So when was Jesus taken away? He was taken away. He was crucified. He rose again. He appeared, and then he got taken back up to heaven. So he has been taken away. Therefore, Jesus has declared that my disciples will fast in that day, which is today and every day since Jesus returned to heaven, okay? So I'm just giving you a biblical basis and foundation for why, why fasting is, is uh, good and mandated by the Lord in Scripture, okay? Now, Luke 4, everyone can turn to Luke 4. Are you there? Okay. <laughs> 
Luke 4, uh, verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when the days were ended, he was hungry. (laughs) I still think it's such a funny verse. It's like, really? Jesus was hungry after not eating for 40 days? (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) But they have to put it in there just so that you know that he actually, you know, part of it, I'm just thinking right now, is to show that he actually went through the pain of it. Even though he was God, he actually suffered like we do when we fast, right? So I'm sure that's part of the reason why it's in there. It just sounds funny. It's like, of course he was hungry. But um, so uh, the only reason I'm showing you that is that Jesus fasted. So for those of you who most likely know the scripture, okay, so Jesus fasted and um, we're not, uh, and, and John 13, 16, you don't have to flip there, but it says the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he who sent greater than he who sent, sent him. So if Jesus fasted, we probably should too, right? So Acts chapter 13 is our next verse. All right. Acts chapter 13, verse 1 to 3. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, a Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, so while they were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I'd called him. So they're worshiping the Lord, they're fasting, and God speaks to them and says, set apart to me, Paul uh, or Saul at the time, and Barnabas. And then, so they're set aside, and then after fasting and prayer, they lay their hands on them and sent them off. So it's two separate distinct times of fasting, or a continued fast. So they're fasting, they get the revelation from God about Paul and Barnabas that this is specifically what they're called to do, and then they're fasting before they actually send them. So there's two uh, just biblical cases of why a believer might be called to fast in the New Testament and in the New Covenant. And if you go on, just one page, Acts chapter 14. Verse 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that they uh, that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So again, in, the, in terms of the appointment of elders in the church or leaders in the church, we would say in the way that we do church these days, there was fasting and prayer put into that decision-making process in the New Testament. So it's just something for us to remember in terms of building the church that this is something God wants us to do. Okay, now... Uh, fasting in the Old Testament. So we have fasting in the New Testament. I went through those scriptures. Now I want to talk a little bit about fasting in the Old Testament. So Daniel chapter 9. This is actually where it gets kind of interesting. I like this chapter. It's actually meant a lot to me in my walk with God. So I will show you. So in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel's a prophet, for those of you who don't know, and the Lord leads him to go on a fast. So in Daniel chapter 9, verse 2, it says, In the first year of the reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books of the numbers of years that according to the prophet of the Lord, to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. 
So he's saying, okay, I realize there's only 70 years left for the captivity. And he's reading in Jeremiah the prophecy and he realizes we're almost there at the end of the prophecy that Jeremiah prophesied about. So now Daniel in the book of Daniel is writing this prophecy of Jeremiah is about to be fulfilled. So he sees that. And how does he react to the fact that he realizes that this prophecy of the Old Testament is about to be fulfilled in his life? Then I turned my face to the Lord, seeking him by prayers and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So he realized that the promise of God was about to come forth in his life. And he didn't just say, yes, amen. He said, okay, let me fast and pray with the Lord and actually co-labor with him to bring it to pass. Right? So he sets himself, he sets his face for 21 days to pray and to fast. And you guys know that in this scripture, he abstains from meat fine foods, which you could consider like desserts or something like that, and anointing himself with oil. So there's specific things that he abstained from, even though he didn't abstain from all food. It was something that he felt, and he was like 70 when God called him to do this. So something he felt that God had called him to do. And so he sets himself to pray. Now what's so amazing is the angel Gabriel comes to him. So he's praying and fasting, and 21 days later, the angel Gabriel comes to him and says that he comes as an answer to his prayer. Now, what's so crazy is the angel Gabriel says to him that I wanted to come from the first day that you set yourself to pray. So from that first day that he said, I want to pray and fast for 21 days, I said, I, or I, as the angel Gabriel, wanted to come to you, but I was held up by the prince of Persia. So in this context, he's talking about a principality over Persia, which is actually a spirit in the air, big like the opposite of our archangels right? Principalities opposite. They're fighting in a sense because uh, the prince of Persia is holding back the angel Gabriel. Now he said, for those 21 days, I was fighting this prince of Persia before angel Gabriel uh, was allowed to come. He was fighting for 21 days and the, uh, Michael, the archangel, actually went to help angel Gabriel while he was fighting. Now, some people believe, if you can infer from this scripture, that possibly the Lord had called Daniel to the 21-day fast specifically to empower the angelic activity to come and actually allow Gabriel to come and bring the message to Daniel. That maybe if he wouldn't have been obedient to that, that angel wouldn't have been empowered and maybe the messenger could not have gotten sent. So this is the part of our destiny and the part of the gospel that we play as people. So in this specific circumstance, it was powerful. It was about the captivity of Israel for 70 years and now being freed from that forever. And because Daniel was obedient to the Lord and did that fast for the 21 days, he may or may not have, because it doesn't say specifically clearly in the scripture, but it does infer that his prayer and fasting that lasted exactly 21 days actually empowered the angel Michael and the angel Gabriel to overcome a principality and allow him to actually come and deliver the word of the Lord to the prophet Daniel. So I love that because it's actually like thinking me, my abstaining from one meal, God says, okay, maybe on like Wednesdays, I want to fast like, you know, just my lunch. So I do that. I do it in secret. 
But then who knows what's actually happening in the heavens at the same time? What angels am I empowering? What demons are falling? What's breaking out in the spirit in Africa that I don't even know what's going on because God just said, hey, fast your lunch today. So I love this scripture because it shows the integral part that we as people play that fasting can actually do to change the spiritual environment. So I love Daniel 9. It's just awesome. So if you guys want to look into that further, Daniel 9. Um, and I do want to mention, I got a lot of just the uh, reminders of the basic scriptures about fasting from this book. Um, it's from Derek Prince, and it's called Shaping History Through Prayer and Fasting. So if you guys are interested in, in any more of these stories and just more about fasting in general, there's practical guidelines, things like that, then pick up this book. Um, it's widely... Um, uh, like by like people like Lou Engel, like he he handed it out to like seventy thousand people at the call because he believed in it so much he just gave it away for free. So this is like um, he saw that as, a, as saw this as a manual for his life for like ten years or something as well. So um, I was surprised just because it didn't it hasn't been like changing my theology crazy, but it's probably because Lou Engel already did. <laughs> when I was with Lou Engel at the time, he had all of this DNA in him and he he preached it to us, so I'm um, getting off track. But anyway, this book um, will help you if you want to look further into these kind of things. It talks about that stuff. I had a dream about this book. Um, at the same time, I had a dream about another book, and God spoke to me really clearly about these being a part of my calling and destiny and part of the message I'm supposed to preach. So I, I just feel like there's a divine connection here with what God wants to do, specifically in Ottawa, because he does talk in the first couple chapters also specifically about praying for your government and how it's clearly laid out in scripture. He says, I wish that all men would, that they would pray for all people, specifically those in the government. That's like the first thing in the list of what he's talking about when he's talking about for pray for all people. So the first two chapters or so are dedicated to that, clearly laying it out in the scripture and letting us know it's our responsibility to actually pray for the government. So if while we're in the city of Ottawa, if you want that clear vision for that, again, I recommend this book. Okay. So let's go to Daniel. Yeah, let's go to Daniel 10 and I'll show you. So it's just one chapter away. I'm going to show you what I was talking about with the angel Gabriel. It starts in verse 10. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he'd spoken these, this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God. A lot of times in scripture, humbling and fasting go together, okay? And humbled yourself before God. Your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of, of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to you with, uh, and, and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. So that's just showing that he wanted to come because of his words, but he was withheld. So what, what part did the fasting play in uh, that breakthrough? And that's up to you to decide because scripture doesn't clearly say it, but it's possible that that's what was going on. So next I want to go to uh, 
No, really quick, I'm just going to share a quick testimony. So uh, about an angel, there's a couple, so there's one time I saw an angel in real life where I actually saw it with my eyes open. And um, I was actually interning with Lou Engel at the time, and we went to the call Nashville. We were during a, uh, it was a 40-day fast, and so everybody fasted whatever they felt. We had like one person who fasted the full days on, like on water, um, and then some other people who did some, you know, part of it on water, some people who just did juice, different things. They just kind of uh, had us pray about what we felt like we were supposed to do. And I felt like God gave me a certain amount of time that I was supposed to fast, you know, in a certain way. And so I'm in the middle of this fast and we're, we went to the call Nashville. So for you guys who don't know, I just realized a lot of you might not even know who Lou Ingalls. He is an intercessor, powerful intercessor for America. And he has gatherings all over the nation. Uh, he calls them calls where he gathers thousands and thousands of people to pray and fast for the nation and to seek, uh, for God's presence to come and his spirit for revival. And so I'm, he's relaunching this call mission and he's relaunching it for Nashville. So if you guys know the Nashville stadium there, I think it holds like a hundred thousand. Um, and so he wanted to fill the whole stadium with, with Christians praying and fasting. And so we're part of his small intercessory group and we're supposed to help pray that everyone who comes to pray will come. So we're like praying for prayer, right? It's like pray for more prayer. And so that's what we're doing. So we're praying and fasting that this call gap gathering will be everything it's supposed to be. So we're praying and fasting and we, and we actually uh, went to Nashville uh, 21 days before the call. So we started the fast 40 days before the call. And then 21 days before we went from South Carolina to uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and we stayed in like a warehouse room thing and like, slept on the floor. And we had like beds enough for like half of us, but the most of us were like trying to find something comfortable to sleep on. And you know, you're mostly like, I was like actually on the concrete floor because I gave my little I was like, oh, it's like nice floor. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it was okay because God was there. And so I'm in the middle of that time and I'm laying on the floor and I wake up and, I, and I'm kind of like in the middle of the night. I remember this window was like huge, like kind of just almost as tall as like part of the ceiling the building was. Very, very tall ceilings. And there's this window way up high. And that was like the light, the moonlight coming in. So I, I wake up and I look over and there's this nine foot, I swear, at least nine foot tall guy like this. And he has his massive muscles and his head shaved. So he had no hair. He's just like this. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then it, boom, it disappears. Because I'm thinking, what's a guy doing in the girl dorm? Because they separated it, right? It's like girl dorm, guy dorm. It's like guys aren't allowed in the girl dorm. But yet he's this nine foot tall guy. And he looked literally like Mr. Clean. And I'm like, Mr. Clean? Like, what's Mr. Clean doing in my, you know? Like, I don't know. It's crazy. But that's what this angel looked like. I realized later he's an angel. And so I'm like, okay, that was kind of crazy. But I felt like God was just giving me a little bit of insight into, you know, I feel like that was a guardian angel specifically sent to watch over us girls as we slept. I just thought that was so sweet. It's like, huh, I will watch you. It's like, awesome. <laughs> and so, so I see that and I'm like, hey, that's amazing. I have this incredible thing. Now, fast forward a couple years later, I was uh, serving a, a minister. Um, he called himself a prophet. I don't know for sure, you know, those kind of things. Maybe he was, maybe he was. He definitely had a lot of right on prophetic words. Um, but he um, had seen uh, an angel that looked the same way. So he's sharing in the front. Uh, he's like, he's ministering in the front, this prophet uh, Bob 
What's his, I can't remember his last name right now. That's probably a good thing. So, um, so he's Prophet Bob. So he's sharing his testimony. He's like, and then I saw this angel, and it has arms like this and big muscles, and his head shaved, and he looked like Mr. Clean. And I'm like, what? I'm like, he's seen the same angel as me? I'm like, this is crazy. So then I ask him. So we're in this uh, RV. We're traveling to New York City, like a group of us, because we were going to go there and... Um, do some ministry. And so we're traveling in this big RV. And I was like, hey, I was like, you know that Mr. Clean angel you saw? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, I saw the same angel. (laughs) He's like, really? And he's like, where'd you see him? I said, Nashville, Tennessee. And he said, me too. I was like, what? You saw the same Mr. Clean Angel in the same city? Like, what are the chances? So I don't quite understand it, but this Mr. Clean Angel likes to hang out in Nashville. I don't know. But it was in the midst of that fast that God was opening me up in the spirit. And would I have seen that if I hadn't obeyed the Lord to fast what he had called me to fast? I don't know. Maybe that angel was there because I was fasting. I don't know. Like, these things, we don't always know how it all works, but obedience is better than sacrifice. So I want to say that too. It's not about a, like, oh, I got to sacrifice, you know, and because you know what, really, if fasting is good, then why don't we all never eat ever again? You know, like we have to eat. So like, you can't just like go to one extreme and say, okay, fast. So I'm just going to fast as much as I can. But then you're like, okay, I don't want to like just never fast, you know? And so there's the, the, the path of life is the radical middle where you ask the Holy Spirit, what should I do? right? And then you're obedient to him no matter what the cost, and you're obedient to him if he wants you to feast. Fasting and feasting, it's both the Lord. So in this regard, never get caught up like I did, because I did for a season in like, okay, like I just want to fast forever because it's awesome, and angels are released, and powerful things happen, and I just want to fast, but then I'm like, my poor belly, (laughs) what's it going to do? And so there is a healthy type of fasting where you actually can take care of your body in the midst of it. So I encourage you 100% to stay healthy. And again, if you want more practical tools about fasting, that's in here. I'm just going over the biblical kind of overview for it. So anyway, that was my testimony about Mr. Clean Angel. So (laughs) kind of a crazy story. Um, And I still to this day, I'm like, I don't know for sure. I should ask the Lord more about it. But I feel like he was a guardian angel and maybe he's a resident guardian angel of Nashville. I don't know. Um, So uh, now Jeremiah 29 verse 10, really quick. I want to go to that. So Jeremiah 29, 10. Keep this here. You guys there in your Bibles? Okay, Jeremiah 29, verse 10 through 14. This is the prophecy that Daniel read, okay? So Daniel reads a prophecy in the book of Jeremiah. Remember I was saying that? So he reads a prophecy that's about to come pass in his time. This is a prophecy that prophet Daniel read in prophet Jeremiah, okay? So chapter 29, verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. I will give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me. And it goes on and on and says, I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations, all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Okay. So he reads this promise from the scripture, realizes it's coming to pass, and it causes him to pray and fast. So rather than just saying, yes, amen, Lord, I believe, (laughs) he's like, yes, amen, Lord, I'll fast and pray with you. So 
That's awesome. Okay, um, 2 Chronicles 7 to 14 is uh, another Old Testament. We're almost done with the Old Testament scriptures. Oh, well, I don't even have my little bookmark here. So unless uh, my people who, call, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, uh, then I will turn from heaven and heal their land. So um, something like that. I don't have it right. Does anybody have it? You have it? I just, I think I'm skipping like a word or something. Uh, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, seek, crave. Ooh, what version is this? Amplified, nice. And require of necessity my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. So right here, it's like clear as day. He's saying, unless my people do this, I can't do this. This is something that God's specifically asking of us. And I've been feeling like that. Part of the reason why I was wanting to bring this to us today is because I've been feeling like we are hungry for a move of God. We are hungry and we are not going to relent until there's revival. And sometimes we're in a season of waiting and sometimes we're in a season of that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruits of the spirit. The word for patience is actually a long suffering, is actually long suffering. And it's about suffering long with Christ. And I feel like right now we're in a season where we need that fruit because we are going to be contending for a revival. So instead of getting uncomfortable because it's not here yet, we have to press in together as a family and say, we will pray, we will fast, we will seek the face of the Lord until there's revival because we're not going to be satisfied until we have a greater outpouring. That's just the way we're made as in the body of Christ. So here at Catch the Fire, where our hunger and our heart is for revival, we have to be willing to bind together and continue in this place of long suffering and actually say, okay, God said, if you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. If we're not finding him the way we want to, then we're not seeking him the way we need to. And I'm telling you, I feel the Lord speaking this to all of us as a congregation, that if we want more of him, then we have to humble ourselves and pray and seek his face as a congregation. And as much as that can be hard, it is a, there's times and seasons for everything. There's times for fasting and there's time for feasting. But if we want a corporate move of God, then corporately we need to come together and crave, I love that word, crave the presence of the Lord. And if we come together in that way, he will turn and heal our land. He will come and pour out his spirit on all flesh. That's what he said. He said, sanctify to me a fast. He's saying, call, blow the trumpet in Zion. And if you will do this, then I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That's in Joel 2. So if you want to go to Joel uh, chapter, we'll start in Joel chapter 1. That's, what, that, that's just the clear way of the Lord. That's how he works um, sometimes. Sometimes it's just sovereign. But sometimes it's the other way. Okay. Joel chapter 1 verse 14. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn, solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Joel chapter 2 verse 16. So go one more chapter. Joel chapter 2 verse 16. Okay. Okay. Uh, Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even the nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber between the vestibule and the altar. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Oh, that they would never say this about us. 
Never, because God will be so in the midst. Now, verse 28, this is the promise of the Lord, okay? And it shall come to pass afterward. So this is after what? After you blow the trumpet, after you seek his face, after you humble yourself. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Yes, this was partially fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. But I believe that it is always more fully being fulfilled because we are not walking in the fullness of Christ yet. We're not walking in everything that he wants us to walk in. So until that day, that's what he's saying. Will you humble yourself? Will you seek my face? Because I will turn and I will heal your land. Whoa. Okay, so one more. (laughs) Yes, Lord. We just say yes, Lord, to this. We say yes to whatever you're saying to us, God. You said that if we seek you, we will find you, and we seek you with all of our hearts. So we just admit that we must not be seeking you with all of our hearts, God, because we want to find you in, in a greater way. So God, I just ask that you would help us seek you with all of our hearts, that you would show us what that passion looks like, that it wouldn't be driven by obligation, but by just sheer desire to have your presence with us in a greater way. Whoa. That we would be one, a, a congregation marked by hunger. Whoa. But also by your presence, God. <laughs> and as this conference is, is getting closer, the I Want More conference, that it would just be a united cry of our heart that we want more for Catch the Fire Ottawa, God. That we want more for Ottawa. We want more for all of the churches. We want more for our families. We want more for Canada. That we want more, God. And that our heart's cry would be there. That we would continue in that place of hunger, unsatisfied until you come, God. Keep our hearts unsatisfied. Push away everything else that is filling up that place in our hearts that would keep us from being hungry. Whoa, we just thank you so much for your presence causing hunger in our hearts to just arise, God. Whoa, I just know that people like Heidi Baker and these great men and women of God, that they just know the power of fasting, of humbling themselves, of afflicting themselves before God and saying, I can't do this, God. That we're not showing anyone how powerful or spiritual we are, but we're showing you, God, that we know that in our weakness, you are strong, God. That when we actually do nothing, you can do everything, God. Whoa. So God, I just ask you would give us that hunger. Give us that thirst in Jesus' name. Whoa. I just wanted to go over, um, should I do that, Lord? Whoa. No, I'm just going to go straight to Matthew 26. Last verse. Matthew 26, this is not specifically about fasting, it's about prayer, but I do believe that fasting and prayer are united in the scripture. They're really similar. You can fast without praying, and you can pray without fasting, but they're best best done together, for sure. Um, And sometimes you can't fast all the time, so you have to pray without fasting sometimes. Okay, so uh, Matthew 26, verse 36. Okay, so this is Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. So, you know, he's about to be crucified and he takes his disciples and he takes them to the secret place, this place where he prays with God and he takes them there to pray. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Whoa. It also says, uh, another version in my Bible says, or keep awake. 
And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Whoa. So God, I just pray that you would not find us sleeping. Whoa, that when you come to us, God, that we would be found waiting with you, no matter how tired we were. It says the disciples were really tired. Whoa, God, I just ask that we would, no matter what our state, just be willing to say yes to you and seek your face no matter what. We just thank you that you've given us these tools, these biblical tools of discipleship, of prayer and fasting. Whoa. And God, I just ask that we would use them. Oh, God, I ask that we would not be so comfortable in our life that we're not hungry enough for the fullness, God. I just thank you that you do want to come in, in more fullness to catch the fire, Ottawa. You want to get us so blasted every day, and that's your will, God. And I just ask that whatever we can do to help co-labor with you, that we would be willing to do it. We say not our will, but yours be done, God. So I just ask that you would speak to each and every one of us, that you'd speak to us corporately, that we would know the times that we're called to, to fast and the times we're called to rest. Whoa, we just thank you for this gift of fasting. We just ask forgiveness if in any way we've taken this gift for granted. Whoa, we just ask forgiveness if in any way we have uh, just grown weary and not wanted to pursue you in these ways, God. But God, I just ask right now, whoa, just put out your hands. Put out your hands to the Lord. We're just going to receive. Whoa. God, I just ask right now that you would give us a greater grace ha, for the gift of fasting. Just like you give us a gift of prayer. Whoa. And a heart to give charity and give alms. God, I just ask right now. Whoa. We just receive. Whoa. A greater gift of fat In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we just receive from you. And God, I just ask that you would help all of us never be guided by our flesh in this, but only by your spirit, that no, um, that nothing would spring up and try to um, get us to strive or try to be somebody we're not or just that we would be in complete rest with you, that you would show us the, the fasting rest, God, that, that whenever we're fasting with you in the secret place or corporately, that we would just be in a place of peace and rest and that we would know that there's grace. Your grace is sufficient. Whoa, your power is made perfect in our weakness. So we just thank you for that, God. Whoa, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, whoa, I also just want to remind you again, if you are thinking of fasting and you want more practical tools, there's stuff in here in the book. You can also talk to us um, about different things if you're feeling the Lord to call you on a fast. Or um, I do feel like we'll, we will have a, a corporate fast coming soon. I'm not sure yet, just still seeking the Lord. We can do it together. It'll be fun. We can pray and fast together. Whoa. But with that, bless you guys. We're just going to, um, we're getting out a little bit earlier today. We're going to have some time for prayer uh, and ministry up front here. We would love to pray for you. And again, we do have uh, coffee and tea in the back. And the kidsman is still in, I believe, until four o'clock. So if you would like to pick up your kids, you can. But if not, feel free to have ministry and mingle and get to know each other. Whoa.